0: Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Gospel of John, but before we do, guys, Thanksgiving is coming. What's usually on your table around Thanksgiving or at Thanksgiving?
1: Um, nothing too unusual. We have a fairly like, you know, traditional, you know, turkey and potatoes and that sort of thing. What's unusual is that, uh, there are usually multiple turkeys and they're like 25 or 30 pounds each because I Whoa. have a gigantic family. So my dad will often prepare one like the night before. And so there'll be some like cold turkey that will then either heat up or some people like it cold. Um, and then another turkey that is cooked on the day. So there's just, there's a lot of turkey to cover the, the people we've got.
2: I'm currently astonished that there is not a turkey sound in this sound effects panel. <laughs> it's really disappointing. So I'll just play a random sound effect. Can
0: you make one can- yourself. Like <laughs> can t- <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a rooster. That's close. That's, that's, uh, all right.
1: that's
2: what's on our table. There you go. No, no. Uh, so we are not a big turkey family. So we do have a like a turkey breast, but we also have ham. Uh, and my wife's sweet potato casserole with like the candied, what is on top? Pecans? How do you guys say pecan? Oh, pecan. I
0: gotta think about it.
2: Pecan. Pecan.
0: Oh boy, I gotta think about it. Hold on. Or. Pecan pie. Pecan pie. Pecan. Pecan
2: pie. Pecan, pecan. pecan pie. Pecan. Pecan pie. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if you're in the deep south, and I kid you not, it's pecan. Eat some pecan pie. <laughs> hmm. Nikki, what's on your Thanksgiving right. table?
0: Uh So, well, I, that's interesting. Very similar to Eric's. Like, we do a turkey breast, and then we do a ham. My mom likes ham. My dad and I like turkey. Uh, and then we always have a big pan of stuffed shells with mm-hmm. Italian sausage.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. With Italian sausage in them? Mm-hmm. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, so, that,
0: you know, you, usually ricotta cheese, spinach, oh. and then... Uh, Italian sausage, I forgot That's for
2: good. a second I want an invite to her Thanksgiving <laughs> Totally,
0: come on
2: over Are you lying?
0: No, you can come over for Thanksgiving Okay,
2: because I could eat dinner with my family And then come over to your house and have stuffed <laughs> shells Phone jail is also on our table
0: Oh That's, yes, which we've important. Which we've of
2: discussed course. in a previous episode But yeah. yeah, phone jail is always on the table
0: Alright, well that sounds like some good stuff Eric, why don't you tell us what passage we're jumping into
2: I didn't really believe That you thought that was good stuff I feel oh, like it was well,
0: good stuff. It's good stuff. It's good stuff.
2: I don't believe it. I don't believe anyone listening to this podcast right now thinks that that conversation about what's on our dinner tables was actually good <laughs> stuff.
0: I think everybody now wants stuffed shells stuff with shells with ricotta cheese and a permesan, lot of Italian turkey Italian and my giant family. Obviously, you want some.
2: Okay. Well, here's here's what I think actually just happened. So recently, we saw a list of the top Bible podcasts uh, in um, the country, or is it in the world?
0: I don't know. I don't
2: know. Let's just say the world, because it sounds better. Okay. Top top 50 Bible podcasts in the entire galaxy, and we were number 43. And we would like to move up the charts on that list. <laughs> but I think by us discussing what was on our Thanksgiving table that we might be out of the top 50 at this point. <laughs> so if you think that's good stuff, okay, it's good stuff. Maybe we just need a little bit of humbling.
0: Okay. And sure. so we need
2: to leave, leave the rankings for a while and then come back with a vengeance.
0: All right. Well, All tell right. us what passage you're looking at. Okay.
2: I am the comma guy today. We are going to be reading at the end of John chapter 15, going into verse 16. And so let's set up the context of this. As you know, because you might have been reading along in the Bible savvy reading schedule, and we've been in the gospel of John, or you've been listening to this podcast. And so we've been setting up the context every time we talk. And so the gospel of John, John's purpose is to show us things Jesus did, things Jesus taught so that we might come to faith in Jesus as the son of God and in him find life. And so all throughout the gospel of John, people are essentially reacting to Jesus, having conversations, who is this Jesus? And, but now we're kind of at a turning point in the gospel of John where for the last few chapters, what has happened is Jesus knows that now his time has come and he is quickly moving towards crucifixion on the cross. So he's celebrating the Passover meal with his disciples. And now what we get in John 13, 14, 15, moving into 16, is Jesus doing a lot of teaching to his disciples, and he is explaining to them what's about to happen. So he's explaining to them, my time has come. He's explaining to them, I am going to leave this earth. I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to come back again one day. And so he's starting to paint in the picture for them with a lot of teaching. And so we're going to pick up his teaching in chapter 15, the end of chapter 15, starting at verse 26. And we're going to go into chapter 16. When
1: the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think that they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because, because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you ask, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me, "'About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, "'where you can see me no longer, "'and about judgment, "'because the Prince of this world now stands condemned. "'I have much more to say to you, "'more than you can now bear. "'But when he comes, the Spirit of truth, "'he will guide you into all truth. "'He will not speak on his own. "'He will speak only what he hears, "'and he will tell you what is yet to come. "'He will glorify me because it is from me "'that he will receive what he will make known to you. "'All that belongs to the Father is mine.' That is why I said, the Spirit will the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you.
2: All right. So we move on to the O and the comma method, which is observations. What do you see in this text? Well, I,
1: I think I see uh, the repetition of uh, talking about the, the Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is in there and uh, different names for the Holy Spirit. So the advocate, the Spirit of truth uh, are in there. So um, this is clearly, that's a, a, a big theme of what's going on here.
0: Uh, there's this weird contrast between uh, Jesus saying that it's good for him to leave and then him identifying that the, the disciples are actually grieving because he's leaving. So, he's saying, well, this is a good thing. And they're like, no, it's not. You're leaving us.
2: Yeah, I can't imagine that they were believing that for a second. Like, <laughs> how how could you possibly walk around with Jesus and see him perform all of those signs and miracles and teach with authority and... Then him tell you, it's better for you if I go. I, that just seems like a hard pill to swallow. It's almost hard to, it's almost hard to buy it when
1: you're reading it now. Like, even though I've never been physically with Jesus, like for him to say, it's better for for you that I'm going away. I'd be like, I don't know. I like, it would, it would be really convenient here as a pastor (laughs) trying to tell people about Jesus. Like if Jesus were somewhere on earth, because then I could just be like, Hey, you know, he's right there. Like he's real. Like it's, that's a, it's one of those ones where you get to that line in the Bible and there's a part of you that goes, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, so
2: if you asked the average Christian today, if Jesus could physically show up and spend the day with you, how excited would you be? <laughs> it would be unreal. It'd be unreal. Right? And Jesus is somehow saying that him going to the Father and sending the Holy Spirit is better than that. That... Is just really hard to believe. Which, if I may engage in a little bit of self promotion right now, Nikki, can I do that? Yes, go ahead. Okay. It. That is why I co authored a book that is published by uh, Chosen, which is a division of Baker Publishing called The Spirit Within, because that is a really, really hard thought to embrace and unpack. Really? What is better about having the Holy Spirit than having Jesus with you in person? And there's, cause there's something about the Christian life that I think we often miss when we only always talk about Jesus and the father, but we don't recognize that Jesus said it's better that if he goes so that he could send us in the, in this text, because the advocate sometimes referred to as the helper, the, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I think, I think uh, further observations here that help with that is actually to look
1: at what Jesus says the Spirit's gonna do. Because obviously he's trying to say this is better. And so then he gives some of the reasons or so, at least some of the things that will happen when, when the Spirit comes. So I see some of those kind of in that, that final paragraph there, uh, things like he'll guide you into all the truth. He's gonna tell you what's yet to come. He's gonna glorify me. So some something about these things are advantageous uh, to the disciples.
0: What's interesting about that though too is verse 12 when he says, I have much more to say to you more than what you can now bear. And I think... Okay, so then, so then the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to speak the things that Jesus tells him to, you know, tells him to say to him. Um, But it's almost like this—I don't know—like this, this, the waiting, the waiting of 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 him coming to them is almost going to be like maybe this time of preparation. You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, you can't bear what I have to say right now, but eventually you will when the Holy Spirit comes to you.
1: Yeah, and there might even be something about going through the. The, the crucifixion and the resurrection, like the the disciples going through that whole experience, mm-hmm. which in some ways you know transforms how they understood what they were doing with Jesus before and 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 they realized certain things meant certain things that they didn't understand, that maybe even that is something they're waiting for you know you've got to go through that before the the spirit can show you things that you need to understand that you don't know now um, but yeah i, I Part of me would want to be like, but just say it, Jesus. Like, if you've got something to say, just say it. Like, why leave and why leave
2: us wondering what you had to to say? Another observation I have is that the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. So if you look at the way this is said in verse 26, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Uh, and then a little bit later on, I'm scanning right now. It's good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So there is this, you, you're starting to get a picture of what we refer to as the Trinity, that you have God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all working in unison for, for one common goal. And so the, the observation here is that the Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. I think uh,
1: another observation at the beginning of chapter sixteen, Jesus talks about the hard times that are coming. So he's not before he says, "I'm going to send the Holy Spirit." He says, "Like there's going to be a time when people are going to, you know, kick you out of the synagogue. You're going to be, you know, ostracized in your community. Anyone who kills you is thinking thinking they're doing something good for God. You know, all of these hard things are about to happen to the disciples in particular, but to Christians throughout the ages, and so." Uh, The the Holy Spirit in in this context is a help for that. It's something that you're going to need, uh, or he's someone you're going to need uh, in the time when you're going through persecution and hardship uh, after
2: Jesus leaves. What else do we see?
0: I think it's interesting that uh, he's making it clear that the spirit of truth will only speak what he hears. Um. And I think what's interesting about that is, of of all of the things that Jesus could keep repeating, it's He's only going to say what I'm going to say, what I want you to know, and what I'm going to say, or what the Father's going to say. It's it's just it is that Trinity thing of just all three of them are working in collaboration with each other. Not they don't have their own agenda. They're all working in in, in concert trying to make the same thing known. So, it, it, it's just it's a really cool picture.
1: I also see um, the when the Spirit comes, He's going to uh, prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. And there, there's some complicated things when that kind of gets unpacked there. It's a little bit hard to understand all the phrases. But I think the big picture is, um, in order for people and for the world to see that we have sin and we need a Savior, the Holy Spirit's gonna come and have to do some work in people. That's not something we just sort of automatically get. Like we recognize, yeah, things are not always great in the world, but to really recognize like, we're part of the problem. This is, you know, we we are sinners and we need a savior. Um, it takes the movement of God's spirit uh, to help people see that.
2: Yeah, there's this this infinite gap between the sinful state of humankind and the perfect righteousness of God. And something has to bridge that gap, or at least make you aware that the gap is there. So, you know, like when the the good news booklet that we use here at Christ Community Church that ex, you know, explains the gospel, and you may have seen these, if you've never seen the good news booklet we use at Christ Community, you may have already seen a gospel presentation like this, where it, it shows you a gap or a distance between where God is and where we are. And that gap is created by sin. And... It is the cross of Jesus that bridges that gap. Jesus accomplishes something for us on the cross that we could never accomplish on our own. But the awareness that a gap even exists, that is part of the job of the Holy Spirit to make us aware of our woeful state before a perfect and holy God. All right, one more observation before we move on to message in verse 15. He says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive for me what he will make known to you. So you see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all working in unison. And so, you know, I often, I often think that, or I often run into Christians today who they're like, okay, God the Father, I, I get that. I might have a hard time thinking of God as a Father based on my relationship with my earthly father, but I can conceive of God as Father, a relational God. And Jesus I like. And I see what he did in the Gospels, and he performed miracles, and he taught things with authority. The Holy Spirit, mm, kind of like the crazy uncle of the Trinity. Like, I'd kind of be okay if the crazy uncle doesn't show up to the family picnic. And so I, I just think there's something about how maybe it's Western Christians, American Christians, where it's like, we're cool with two-thirds of the Trinity, this other third of the Trinity, we either don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit or we don't really fully believe that what Jesus said is true, which is it's better for us that he went back to the Father so that he could send us the Holy Spirit. So that's my last observation. Let's move on to message. What kind of message can we draw out of this text? Um, I'm thinking
1: about it uh, with the phrase, don't live like you're alone. Or, or maybe don't live like you've been abandoned. So I I think I have got this image in my mind of let's say you were hiking in the woods and you had, you know, a friend who was guiding you along and they they're very experienced there and they say, "You know what, actually, I need to go back, you know, to to where we parked and uh, don't worry, I'm going to send I'm going to send someone else to help you. I know you're not very experienced out here in these woods." And but then you keep going in the woods and this person comes along. Like it's not like he actually sent, you know, the other helper. And But you're walking around in the woods like you are completely alone. You're terrified. You're, you're like, how am I going to get out? Where am I going to go? Where, w- Should I do this? Should I do that? And the, the other guide is standing right there and saying, well, you, you know, I've got something to say. And you never turn. You act as if you are completely alone uh, in the woods. And the difference between feeling like you've got a guide and feeling like you're abandoned in the woods is dramatically different. And so I think if we live as if like life, I've got to figure it out on my own. Uh, it creates anxiety, it creates problems. Like we make mistakes, we do all sorts of things that would be mitigated a whole lot if we simply said, you know what? There's another helper, there's an advocate, someone who's there uh, with me. So not not living like we've been abandoned or we're alone.
0: Yeah, mine was that the the Holy Spirit is my guide. Uh, I I think back to, I think it's in the the Old Testament book of Proverbs when it, it instructs us to have a network of advisors to help counsel us. Um, and I think to myself, like, that's that's good. That's a practical thing. Like, we, we want to tap into the wisdom um, of, of good, good godly people around us. But I've got this all-powerful, all-knowing, you know, person of the Trinity living inside of me, constantly with me. Um, and a- am I going to him for advice? And am I seeking his help? Um, and that's like the ultimate network of advisors right there.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, my message is cheating a little bit because I'm going to go outside of this text uh, mm-hmm. because when I, when I read the, the verse where Jesus says, it's better for you that I'm going away because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, which we've already discussed is a mouthful and hard to believe how it could possibly be better that Jesus isn't physically with us. But then later on, he tells the disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait there for the Holy Spirit you're going to continue what I've begun. Don't you dare even try it until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so, it's like he he ups the statement. It goes from, it's better for you if I go, to don't even contemplate. Don't even attempt to live the Christian life without being empowered and without the help of the helper, the advocate. So, there's, I think in a lot of ways, sometimes people try to live the Christian life in their own power. But if you think about it for a second, that makes zero sense. Because the whole reason we became Christians is because we knew we were powerless to do it. So uh, my, my message is don't even try it without the Holy Spirit. All right. So we're going to move on to meditation. And no surprise here. We are going to use verse 7 for our meditation today meditation, prayerful pondering. And so, 45 seconds here in the podcast to contemplate this verse. Very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away, unless I go away. The Holy Spirit will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. 45 seconds thinking about this question. How could that possibly be? All right. And we move on to the A and the comma method, which is application. It's the so what question. What are we going to do about today's text?
0: Yeah. So mine, uh, just kind of jumping off of what I said and and, uh, what we were meditating on, I want to specifically ask the Holy Spirit to help lead me more often. So like, I think we we get into that habit of like praying to God or we we pray to Jesus. Um, But I I just want to, I just want to say like, Holy Spirit, help me Help me in this moment. Help guide me. Um, and I know we're, you know we're all talking to all of them because this is Trinity, right? They're all one person. But it's just to it's just specifically call him out and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Guide me. Teach me in this moment. That's what I want to do.
2: I'm surprised that your application isn't to buy my book. The Spirit I mean, Within. Getting to know the purpose, person yeah. and purpose of the Holy Spirit. Published by Chosen Books, a division of Baker Publishing.
1: Yeah, well, you already gave me a free copy, so I'm not gonna do that I, one.
2: Oh. <laughs> oh, I did,
1: <sighs> I did. Um, my application is, um, no surprise, to, to listen to the Holy Spirit, but but specifically this. So, I like, sometimes I have the intention of saying, I'm going to listen to God's guidance throughout the day, you know, when I need you know guidance in a moment, um, I'll listen. But the problem is I don't often do that unless I set aside specific time deliberately to say, all right, even just for a minute or two, Holy Spirit, what do you wanna to say to me? And if I don't do that as a practice where I am you know, like focusing on that, I tend to forget to do it in the, the day-to-day moments. So uh, including those times, whether it's you know, right after I, I read scripture and I do that in the morning or uh, in a, it, you know, one of the normal times when I pray to actually stop talking and start listening um, so that I do that throughout the day.
2: Uh, my application is going to be to incorporate some of this into my prayer life. And so often I find myself asking the Father, talking to the Father, or Jesus, thank you for this, and talking to Jesus. Um, you know, you can also talk to the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, they're all three in one, right? And so to just intentionally pay more attention to all three persons of the Trinity um, is, is my application for my prayer life.
0: All right. And then you're going to get me a copy of your book, right? Alright, well thanks for listening to us this week Join us next Monday for a new episode We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule In the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan you can check out biblesavvy.com to download it and start reading along You can also subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on Email us your questions or suggestions at at podcast.biblesavvy.com Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week